Jack. Levi. Are we the crazy ones? Hello everyone, I'm Jack, and welcome to another episode of Are We The Crazy Ones, the podcast where we travel to the fringes of culture and tell you what they look like. Today, we've got something really special for you, not that we ever don't. These days, it seems like everyone's a fascist, if the social media sewer is anything to go by. Anything is an apparent sign of fascism, and one's political orientation or actions don't seem to factor into this accusation at all. Were I to be cynical, I'd say the most important characteristic of a fascist is to disagree with the person calling you a fascist over the internet. But I'm not a cynic. I'm an internet anthropologist. So, intrepid adventurers that we are, my esteemed colleague Levi and I decided to answer the question, what is fascism? And what better place to find out than from the OG fash himself, Benito Mussolini, and from his 1932 tract, The Doctrine of Fascism. A bit about old mate Benito. He was born in 1883 in present-day Emilia-Romagna, northern Italy, to a socialist blacksmith father and a devoutly Catholic mother. Before he was Il Duce, the founder of fascist ideology, authoritarian ruler of Italy, and one-time idol of Adolf Hitler, he was a naughty schoolboy, disciplined for stabbing a classmate with a penknife. Mussolini was initially one of Italy's prominent socialists, but his relationship with the left soured. Marxism was just too egalitarian, and the Italian socialists opposed Italy entering the First World War. Mussolini was a big fan of violence and fought in the war himself. From here on, Mussolini shifted from a supporter of socialist class conflict to an advocate of a virile, warrior, revolutionary nationalism, one which transcended class. He saw the state as an object within which was contained everything, and which stood above everything. Morality was the purview of the state, which decided what was good or bad. Citizens existed to serve the state, and all organisations had to be subordinate to the state and advance its aims. To support his nascent ideology, Mussolini founded the Fascidazione Rivoluzionaria, whose members identified as fascists, and whose black shirts clashed with communists, socialists and anarchists in the streets. A putsch here, a riot there, the fascists gradually accrued power in Italy, with the goal of establishing a totalitarian state, under the leadership of Mussolini, of course. Meanwhile, Mussolini's political opponents had an odd habit of winding up dead. Mussolini's fascist ideology got the attention of a certain Adolf Hitler. You might have heard of him. His doctrine of national socialism was strongly influenced by Mussolini's fascism. Now, Hitler got a bit too enthusiastic with invading everyone around him and started the Second World War. And Mussolini, obsessed with demographics, fought on the side of Germany. He saw the future as belonging to strong and virile nations with high birth rates, compared to the effete France and Britain with their low birth rates and ageing populations. Long story short, problems piled up for Benito. First he was deposed and imprisoned in Italy, later being freed from prison by German paratroopers and setting up the Italian Social Republic in the north of Italy. This new country didn't last long, and in 1945, attempting to flee from advancing Allied forces into Switzerland, Mussolini and his mistress were intercepted by Italian communist partisans. They were shot dead, and Mussolini's body sent to Milan, to be hung upside down from the roof of a service station. But there's a bit of context. He had an eventful life. He's the creator of fascism, so I can't think of a better person to read on Levi and my quest to discover what fascism means. Importantly, I hope that after listening to this episode, you'll be able to pick real fascists from pretenders or the falsely accused. But more importantly, 
I managed to make it through the entire episode without doing a rude Italian accent, which I consider to be a personal achievement, and I hope you do too. Enjoy. Ciao, everyone. Ciao. I hope you're looking forward to a bit of fascism today, because I certainly am. <laughs> yeah, so Jack, what did you, uh, what were your thoughts on, on the doctrine of fascism? It's, it's, it's a short text, which I appreciate. I look for that in my politically extreme manifestos. Brevity. That's the key <laughs> to taking power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, this was very nice, very short. Uh, in particular because we are reading at home uh, for you guys uh, at home. Just so you know, we're currently reading uh, Evola, um, Julius Evola, who's an esoteric philosopher who was also a fascist uh, and who was an Italian fascist. Uh, who, who, knew wrote, uh, who knew Mussolini? Who knew Mussolini, but... Also, his book is very, very long, and it's taking us quite a yeah. long time to read. So we just thought we'd <laughs> read some other classic fascist <laughs> fascist literature. <laughs> and we thought what of... better fascist to read than than the OG fascist himself? Yeah, the OG Benito Mussolini, the <laughs> Benito, the creator of fascism. So uh, a real we're, thought we're going, we're going back to the source here. We. We have covered and probably will cover a number of people who are either influenced by fascism or are outright fascist. So it's only right that we we go back to the source, the wellspring. <laughs> yeah, and a fascism. number of our friends are fascists. So <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, it was interesting to read because it's a very short text. It's, it's like ten pages, um, and it's actually quite it's quite well written as well. You know, it's not, it's not, he's not ranting. Yeah, or he's ranting in a very controlled way. So this is, this, this text is just, it is textbook propaganda. You read through it and he makes all sorts of very strong statements, some of which you will probably somewhat agree with, but then you look at it in more detail and you realize it's because most of the time he's saying two or three things at once. He's just trying to appeal to as many people as he possibly can. Jack's being very diplomatic. Uh, he, it's actually, you'll agree with all of the text all of the time. <laughs> all and of it, it makes, yeah. It makes complete and utter sense. Look, the reason why we wanted to start covering fascism is is partially because if, if you've listened to the Varg episode, uh, you'll know what we're talking about. But we talk, we talk about in Varg that people use the word racism a lot these days. They overuse it, and perhaps in overusing the word racism, uh, they actually dilute its meaning, or, or they they take they detract from the power of that word uh, f- for when you need to use it against actual racists, <laughs> such as such as Varg <laughs> Vikines. <laughs> um, so that was an interesting episode. Now these days, the same thing applies. A lot of people use the word fascist when they're just kind of referring to somebody on the right or who's mm. conservative. Um, yeah, some, someone to the right with. of Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> someone to the right of, of Bernie Sanders <laughs> and Elizabeth Warren, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, it, so it, Trump's it, a fascist, uh, mm. Bol- Bolsonaro's Scott a, fascist, a fascist, Scott Ma- Morrison's a fascist. Um, 
Justin Trudeau is probably a fascist. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's this is not a new problem. George Orwell in the 1940s was complaining that people just accused anyone to the right of them of fascism or anyone they didn't like, and he was worried that it devalued the term, and was worried that we wouldn't yeah, but have a Orwell term to describe a fucking fascist. cuck. Who cares about Orwell? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's Jack. He's. I think he's right. But of course, it was Orwell. Of course, of course he's right. Yeah. So, probably, probably a, a question we should bear in our minds for this whole episode, because there is, if you listen to, say, The Guardian, or in Australia, the ABC, the New York Times, there is no greater fascist in the world than Donald Trump. So, through this episode, we should, we should always have in the back of our minds, according to what Mussolini sets out as fascism in a tract called the doctrine of fascism is trump a fascist based on the words of the og fash himself benito (laughs) that that should be if not the the (laughs) guiding principle of this episode one of them one of our many north stars (laughs) <laughs> so everyone, everyone's a fascist. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. What, so what, it is. It. Sorry. It, one it of is my a, main it, takeaways from sorry, this, having read like actual fascism, is that there aren't many ac- true fascists in the world anymore, and it's a unique privilege to know some of them. <laughs> <laughs> so he 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 starts out. By telling you that fascism is a sound doctrine. He says, straight up, it's a sound doctrine. That's part of the elevator Don't worry your pretty little head about it. Yeah. So, I mean, you can read a sentence of this and you know that you should probably be a fascist because he just tells you it's a sound political doctrine. And what are you going to do? Believe in something unsound? It's it's done and dusted. From there, I was sold. (laughs) Yeah. Sign me up straight away. Sign me up. He um, as, he basically as a... says that. So fascism is a political doctrine based on action first and foremost. It's not something cooked up at a desk by a you know a four-eyed wimpy pencil neck bourgeois. Yeah, and any number of epithets you can think of wasn't cooked up by someone like that. It was cooked up by a man of action like Benito Mussolini. It's based on a study of the past. It's based on a study of what pragmatically works right now. And it's based for, first and foremost on history, which we'll expand yeah. on a little bit, but the, the internal logic of history itself. Well, the problem is expanding on it requires quite a bit of conjecture because he doesn't actually explain himself a great deal. He just says stuff. He... um. His, probably, probably one of his fundamental ideas is that there is some, there is a spiritual dimension to the world that fascism taps into. That ideologies like liberalism, socialism, democracy don't do. Those are all purely material ideologies. Whereas fascism, if you want to be a good fash, you need to get in touch with your spiritual side. So should we do, should we maybe uh, give the sales pitch of what is fascism? And this comes from the horse's mouth. The, the yeah, so himself. just dear listeners, dear viewers, picture this. You're in an elevator by yourself. It stops, <laughs> the doors open, 
In steps a tall man, military attire. He takes you by the hand, shakes it, stares deep into your eyes, and in a thick Italian accent, introduces himself as Il Duce. (laughs) It's Benito, and he's got his elevator pitch for you. He's going to make you a fascist. What does he say, Levi? He says, first You don't have to do the accent. I will not be trying to do an Italian accent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, He says, first and foremost, wasn't the logical consequence of liberal democracy, the rule of the majority, the rule by numbers, the rule of quantity over quality, didn't that lead to the world war 1914 to 1919 the greatest bloodshed that humanity had seen in the history of all mm-hmm. of all of humanity was caused by the rise of social democracy liberal democracy in Europe and especially in Britain and it resulted directly in the war the wars of 1914 clearly clearly liberal democracy has had its opportunity the rule of the masses, the rule of quantity over quality, led to vast bloodshed. Mm-hmm. Point number one. Point number two, Jack. Do you want to quote to back, to back that up? Because I we reckon are, we can take turns we are still... explaining why fascism is obviously right. Yeah, we're we're, we're both we're both. It takes two average yeah. liberal Democrats to explain the pure wisdom of one fascist dictator. So, yeah, Jack, you can have a go to, explaining some To other... back up what you've said, though, in, in uh, Mussolini's words, the liberal century, after piling up, piling up innumerable Gordian knots, tried to cut them with the sword of the world war. Never has any religion claimed so cruel a sacrifice. Were the gods of liberalism thirsting for blood? Were they? I'd say so. It's a pretty bloodthirsty God. Look, you thought the Aztecs were bloodthirsty? Parliamentary representative what democracy. What about democracy, mate? Look, millions of young men mm. on the Western Front torn to pieces by machine guns the in first world the name war. of... Wait, was the First World War the Western Front? Oh, man, I'm like fucking this one up. He, 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 well, he was talking about the First World War in this context. Because yeah. this was written in um in thirty two. Yes. I mean, I maybe through his fascist powers, he <laughs> foresaw the Second World War. <laughs> Whoops, <laughs> Levi, get your history straight, you bloody idiot. Anyways, so back to the the pitch. So that's that's step number one. Now, step point number two. Clearly, clearly, socialism is wrong. A little bit of background information. Um. Benito Il Duce was in fact a socialist before be before creating fascism, and one of the key issues with socialism is that it's based on this uh, incorrect collectivization of people into classes and also into uh, into things like trade trade unions. That's that's wrong because we need to subjugate all of our individual and collective identities, so if there's any subgroups within a state, all individuals and all subgroups within a state need to be subjected to the, the, the rule and the dominion of a single state. 
because otherwise you just have factions and you have rampant individualism and the degeneration of society. Exactly. And this is, this is also where you see um, Mussolini promising many things to many different people. Because he says on one hand, you know, everyone under the state is of one will. The, the state sublimates individual wills into itself and acts as a perfect expression of them. So you, you don't need things like trade unions or groups outside the state. But at the same time, you can have groups like trade unions, so long as they are state-controlled, which, which will be used to further unite the people. You can't have any social organisations outside of the state. But don't yeah. worry, you can, still have, you can still have anime club if it is controlled by the fascist if state. It's a state. If it's a state. So this was a really interesting point, actually, is that I don't think people fully grok what what fascist means in in the original sense now that we're reading some fascist literature fascist and mussolini says this so specifically in this in this text fascism is about the total state the total state like i don't think anybody alive in sort of uh at least Australia or like average, average uh, Americans or a, a lot of people kind of, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe they do in other countries, but certainly not in my experience with Australians, like fully wrap their head around what a total state means. Total state is the complete intrusion into every aspect of your life, your personal relationships, your spirituality, uh, your employment, your uh, association with with groups um, and it's completely justified because because and here's here's the here's the crunch the state is the embodiment of the spirit of the people and it has a duty to make that manifest in the world on the stage of history right and you as an individual are secondary to the manifestation of the spirit of the people and therefore, the state doesn't merely have the right, it has the responsibility and it has the duty to, make sh to enforce its will on you. And you have a duty as a citizen to conform. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, there's this quote here. And sounds, it, sounds while, while you're listening to this, bear in mind, so people, say in Australia, a member of, say, the coalition will be accused of being a fascist. Listen to the OG's description of fascism and ask yourself, is Scott Morrison really a fascist? So, Mussolini says, the fascist state is an inwardly accepted standard and rule of conduct, a discipline of the whole person. It permeates the will no less than the intellect. It stands for a principle which becomes the central motive of man as a member of civilised society, sinking deep down into his personality. He also says, Anti-individualistic, the fascist conception of life stresses the importance of the state and accepts the individual only insofar as his interests coincide with those of the state, which stands for the conscience and the universal will of man as a historic entity. It's, as you were saying, the total state, like this thing, it, 
It controls everything. There is nothing outside the state. And yeah, it is not is... merely a material domination. The state is a spiritual expression of of a group of people. So yes. it, it not only it not only commands them, but it in some sense well not in some sense, in a total sense, embodies them. The state yeah. is the people. So this is a super important point that people don't <laughs> seem like to it really. Is, it is not a collectivist get. ideology, and Mussolini says it is collectivist and anti-individualist. Oh, oh I've got a quote on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just for for listeners, place yourself in the elevator where Mussolini is making his elevator pitch. Just imagine Il Duce is saying this to you. <laughs> um, did you already read this one uh, for fascism is this the one that you just read um, no I, th- I think this is the new one um, he says for fascism the state capital S is absolute individuals and groups relative individuals and groups are admissible insofar as they come within the state instead of directing the game and guiding the material and moral progress of the community the liberal state restricts and by, by liberal, he also means individualist. So mm-hmm. the liberal and therefore individualist state restricts its activities, its own activities, to, re- to merely recording results. The fascist state, however, is wide awake and it has a will of its own. For this reason, it can be described as ethica. So literally the state is the standard of ethics. Yeah. And he's, and, he's a bit... Sorry. He talks about how... It it is a reflection of some higher objective reality, and he do, he doesn't really go into what this objective reality that the state is reflecting actually is, but you can be sure that the state under Mussolini is reflecting it. And he kind of hints at it. He, he talks about how a, a a group of people united by blood, by tradition, by history have a personality this collective personality and then the state comes along and allows that collective personality to be embodied and that is what creates a nation a nation doesn't come before the state like you know cucked liberals who believe in natural law think (laughs) the nation is created by the state when the state embodies the will of a people and the great thing about a state embodying the will of a people is one man can embody that will it's, it's, it's so good. A, a dictator can embody the will of the people. And actually, this makes fascism more democratic and more oh, individualistic so than liberalism. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's, it's a miracle. I wouldn't have thought it was, it was possible, but you've got it here in writing. Mussolini says... Do you have the quote? Do you have the quote? It, <laughs> do you so want to read it or should I? Oh, no, I'll see if I can find it. Was it... Page. Oh, here we go, here we go, here we go. So, I need to take these glasses off because I can't actually read my notes when I have them on. He says, <laughs> of, of fascism, it is the purest form of democracy if the nation be considered as it should be from the point of view of quality rather than quantity, as an idea, the mightiest, because the most ethical, the most coherent, the truest, expressing itself in a people as the conscience and will of the few, if not indeed of one, 
an ending to express itself in the conscience and the will of the mass. So you see, not only is fascism not democratic, because democracy is bad, because democracy equates a to like the, the quantity of people with what you should do, whereas in fact you should be looking at quality of people. Yeah, you, you, only want to, you only want the best ones to be making decisions. But at the same time as it, as it is not democracy, fascism is also more democratic because it, it only counts by quality. So, like, if you've got a handful of really good people, naturally their opinions are just weighted more than less good people. And now, if you have one person like Benito Mussolini who is so good, then he can express opinions and make all the decisions. And that's actually even more democratic because he's just so good. <laughs> so, so, Jack, I'm not going to name names, <laughs> but I, I've definitely had people in my social circles essentially make this argument. <laughs> essentially make this argument. <laughs> any, any variations, and you... You fucking know who you are, people, my friends who have made similar arguments, which essentially goes something along the lines of, oh, man, we should really restrict the, who can vote to pick your arbitrary standard, uh, people who are educated enough or people who have a sufficiently high IQ or some crap like that. And um, not going to call anybody out by name. However, you know who you are and just know that you're a good little fascist if that's, <laughs> if that's what why, you think. Why are you calling them out? No. So you Sorry, I'm, praise, I'm praising them. You, Sorry. You're talking about <laughs> voting. No, that's, let's not go there. That's not... Like that... <laughs> voting... Voting is for liberal democratic cuckolds. <laughs> what you want is true democracy where the will of the people is manifested in one person and Sorry, embodied I'm, in I'm, an all, I'm simping all for the pervasive state which makes all decisions. That is democracy. But it's yes. also not Sorry. democracy, according to Mussolini, because democracy is bad. I stand but, corrected. But fascism is still more democratic than bad democracy. So I, I think one of the things to explain, other than how good the total the total state is 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 just a little bit of background and i jack i really do think that we should be covering hegel because this is where all this fucking crap hegel. no we're gonna have to read hegel because like if, if we keep any, on if, if we keep on reading the misfortune of having to read hegel then you know my reticence <laughs> because all of fascism and marxism comes out of hegel and and we've we've got a number of fascists and marxists lined up for this for this show well, I mean, if, if, if you're looking for political extremists it's hard to go past the fascists and marxists <laughs> so we've still got we've got zizek and he he fucking loves oh, Jesus hegel Christ, can we not do zizek <laughs> no, i put zizek fucking on the hate. list fuck you <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. so we can't I feel as though we need to bring Hegel forward in the reading list because it's just so fundamental. And look, Zizek makes a really good point that... So one of his books is specifically about uh, the modern influence of Hegel. And he's making this argument that essentially all modern philosophers, or at least huge parts of modern philosophy, like have this huge... Um, sort of implicit debt to the philosophical uh, legacy of, of Hegel. And he's actually right. It's actually, he's been hugely influential. influential. Mm -hmm. So we do need to read Hegel. But 
just as a small primer with the small amount I know, again, if you've listened to episode three with Pes- about Pesadus, I mentioned Hegel a little bit. I've been trying to learn about Hegel a little. Essentially, Hegel has this idea of history with a capital H. And history, in some sense, must be predetermined. That's kind of implicit. Or at least it can be predicted. And it can be predicted through uh, understanding the inexorable laws of historical development. Um, and in understanding those laws, not only can you predict history, but you can like make uh, diagnoses and um, and sort of uh, diagnose like political diagnoses about how how a, how a government should act or what a government should do. He was used by this guy named Frederick Wilhelm III, uh, who was the king of Prussia at the time, who is basically using Hegel to come up with a secular philosophy. Other than just saying that, like, oh, the, the king is the god, like the, the representative of God on earth. Other than just saying that, like a secular philosophy to justify the total state in Prussia um, under, under Frederick Wilhelm III. So Hegel's entire philo- philosophical career was essentially to be the mouthpiece of the Prussian total state. And he came <laughs> up with this system of philosophy where you can justify anything. And the two key yeah, things it, that he... It doesn't fucking make sense. Of course you can justify anything with it because it's intentionally, just word salad. It's complete word. It, it stupefies you. Um, and intentionally so. So one of the interesting things about Hegel is he also has this other thing, which he calls the spirit. And the spirit is like, if you have ever studied uh, literature or like plays or whatever, you might have heard the word zeitgeist in English. Uh, it's a borrowed word from German. It's like the spirit of the times or something. So he talks about the geist. Um, and the geist is the spirit. And the spirit is like the animating force of a people. Um, and in some sense, like Mussolini uses the word, the personality and the spirit of the people. And sorry, am I, I talking too much, Jack? No, Do you want to add anything? So one of the, one of the points... To, to, to get your head around and I'll see if I can pull up a quote here to like make it cl- clear just what we mean so the spirit or the this the nation so the spirit is then adopted by Marxists to say uh, the uh, the class so classes are like an autonomous entity and depending on the school of Marxism you can think okay there's actually this thing, a class, and when somebody speaks, they're speaking on behalf of this class interest, and the class is speaking through the person. For for uh, ethno like uh, fascist people, ethno state people, like they think about it in ter- terms of race and racialism, and uh, and they use the word blood, capital B, and the the race basically has a personality. So you could think of the personality as like the, the traditions and the language and all that sort of stuff. Um, but that's how you collectivize the people. And in Mussolini's idea, it's like the nation, it's not quite race. It's slightly different. It's this thing that is kind of like a metaphysical entity of some sort that has an autonomous existence in this realm outside of physical reality and it's a platonic argument. So Plato made this distinction between metaphysics and physics. The world of the physical is the world that's like decaying and it's changing all the time. And the world of uh, the like the platonic ideals is this world that's permanent and perfect. And 
the nation is this thing that exists in kind of like the realm of platonic ideals and it's the personality or it's the the platonic ideal of the this collective group and in the physical realm each individual member of that nation is kind of like an embodiment of that personality um and and uh and i do mean that like uh, i'll i'll see if i can uh, find and an as, exact as quote. To build on that, in Mussolini's conception, the role of the state is to harness this or to, to be the mouthpiece. Oh, here. Here, I've the, got the it. The physical manifestation of this spirit of a people. So the state, as conceived and realized by fascism, is a spiritual and ethical entity. Note that word. It's an ent- So it's a real entity. For securing the political, judicial, and economic organization of the nation, an organization which in its origin and growth is a manifestation of the spirit. Okay. So, the state guarantees the internal and external safety of the country, but it also safeguards and transmits the spirit of the people, elaborated down the ages in its languages, its custom, its faith. The state is not only the present, it is also the past and above all the 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 future transcending the individual's brief spell on, of life the state stands for the imminent consciousness of the nation the forms in which it finds expression change but the need for it remains and then it goes on to talk about a bunch of stuff like for example uh, the state educates the citizens it, it makes them aware of their mission it enforces unity all this sort of stuff and uh some people would say it's like an organic he he uses it i can't find the quote in here right now um he talks about being organic quite a lot yeah but it's like if you so the analogy is like the individual is to the human body i mean sorry the (laughs) the individual is to the nation as a cell is to the human body. So a cell mm-hmm. is in some sense an individual, uh, is like a living thing, but it's only one component of a higher order living thing, which does in fact have an autonomous and complex existence. So that's the thing yeah. that people need to get their head around is like, <laughs> these people mean something very different. They're not talking about just institutions. They're talking about like a, this metaphysical claim. No. And so when you get right-wing politicians in Western countries talking about the need to defend free speech or the need for free markets and things like that, they have disqualified themselves from fascism. They are not fascists. Yeah, if they ever say, hey, what about we free trade? We need limitation on the state in any yeah. capacity. <laughs> any... They, are <laughs> they, are an- they literally are antithetical to uh to fascism anytime you say we should curtail the state's power anyway whatsoever they are curtailing the democratic right of the people's spirit to be manifested through an absolute state preferably through one person <laughs> now in fact uh <laughs> and this is why we've got to read hegel because hegel has an argument <laughs> about <laughs> Jack, Jack. You're going so hard after Hegel. <laughs> I have a bad feeling that I actually I'm going to have to read more Hegel. <laughs> so Hegel has an argument of uh, the great man, the great man theory. Um, and the great man is essentially 
you know, take your pick of Hegelian philosophy, uh, what variation it is. But the great man is like essentially the person who's most capable of facilitating or embodying mm. um, in corporeal form. Yes, the, the he, will he described Napoleon Bonaparte as being the, a great man. Napoleon Bonaparte, and of course Frederick Wilhelm the Third, and of course. It, that leads naturally into having okay, well, the dictator then is is the great man, and it, he said, Mussolini says right here, he says, the state hands to, the state capital S hands down to future generations the memory of those who lay down their lives to ensure its safety and to obey its laws. It sets up as examples and records for future ages the names of the captains who enlarged its territory and of the men of genius who have made it famous. So you are embodying the state. You are the captain. In being a ca- one of the captains of the state, you are furthering its glory and you'll be remembered for that. Mm-hmm. And by extension, furthering the glory of everyone who's part of it, each individual cell of the body of the state. <laughs> and it's, it's, it is by... by in a sense, allowing themselves to be subjected to the will, but not truly, more recognising that they are subject to the will of this spokesperson, or more likely spokesman, of the spirit of their people and the state, that one within a state finds true freedom and true individuality, according to Mussolini. Because there is no truer expression of one's individuality than then complete conformity. to submit themselves or to submit oneself to the true embodiment of the spirit which animates you. So what's doing interesting what tells you <laughs> doing what Il Duce <laughs> tells you to do. <laughs> so there is no higher individualism. Oh, fascism desires the state to be strong and organic based on broad uh so one of the things that is interesting, and I, I don't know, this might be a quote that kind of captures it, but is is this idea that uh, the state? So, so you got to understand. So the the historical development of, especially in Europe, basically without going too far back, was like feudal lords ruling over, you know, serfs. They served him uh, in the Middle Ages. And then there was like a bunch of different issues around like monarchies and dealing with like nobilities and stuff. Um, there was a bunch of stuff. And then the rise of industrial capitalism. Um, and of course, capitalism in the sort of 18, 1900s uh, was extremely exploitative in Europe, which is part of the, the reason why people like Marx wrote because of the extreme exploitation um inherent in in capitalism at that time and uh what mussolini is wants to make clear is that we're not fascist dictatorship is not going backwards this is not serfdom and it's not exploitation like under the the capitalists under the bourgeois revolutionary he says a state based on millions of individuals who recognize its authority feel its action and are ready to serve its ends is not the tyrannical state of a medi sorry <laughs> is not the tyrannical state of a medieval lord lordling it has nothing in common with the despotic states existing prior to or subsequent to 1789 far from crushing the individual 
far from <laughs> very very far far, from, far, far from crushing the individual he wouldn't the fascist say it if state he didn't mean it <laughs> the fascist state multiplies his energies multiplies his energies just as in a regimented soldier is not diminished but multiplied by the number of his fellow soldiers <laughs> I mean, you could say that, but having additional soldiers in a regiment doesn't entail you totally submitting your will and spirit to an all-encompassing state. You sound like a fucking liberal democrat cuck right now. <laughs> you should be sent off the goddamn internment camp. So The internment camp. Yeah, it's, it's sort of the digestive tract of this whole state body that chews up the bad bits. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like these things entail certain behaviours naturally on behalf of the constituents of this all-encompassing state Mussolini talks about the need for each, each citizen in a fascist state to take their lives religiously and to lead, lead an ascetic existence to lead an existence that embraces hardship because fascists reject the idea of an easy life and a citizen should be educated, they should be physically capable, they should be intellectually and spiritually capable to make themselves into, into an instrument to further the spirit of their yeah. people as embodied in the state. Yeah. It's so intense. It's so intense. He also talks about how for, One... for the fascist state to stay vital, for it to stay, in his words, progressive. And when I say progressive, I don't mean say he wants to stick up for trans rights or something like that. He means literally like marching forward and expanding in time and space. Marching the, forward. The opposite Guns of at the holster. <laughs> yeah. In line. You need, you need a good border policy. When I say good border policy, I mean an expansionist border policy. <laughs> <laughs> he says, he says... Wait, wait, so Jake, this is, this is really... This is, this, Okay. No, 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 sorry. I, I won't interrupt you. Go, go, go. <laughs> cut that, no, cut that fucking bit. Go again. <laughs> I, I, I need to read the quote, which justifies why you need to invade everyone around you. Because. So, the fascist state, it needs to cultivate in its people this spirituality or allow them to commune with this spirit that it is expressing. And a great way to do this is through war. He says, war alone keys up all human energies to their maximum tension and sets the seal of nobility on those peoples who have the courage to face it. So it, war is not merely something you do to defend yourself. It is a moral imperative. You've got to get out fighting. You've got to invade all of your neighbours. You've got to be an imperialist. Why? So that you can more fully embrace the spirituality of the total state. And I mean, when I read this, I signed up for the army. <laughs> That's only so that I can lead a coup and transform the Czech state <laughs> into a fascist utopia. So again, Jack, you're aggressive. Uh, we need to read Hegel because Hegel makes this, this is again a Hegelian argument. Uh, as far as I'm aware, Hegel, Hegel is the person who first uh, came up with the doctrine of, of total war. By total war. Okay, so the, Europe, the history of Europe 
up until up until the end of World War Two, essentially is a, a giant uh, list of bloodbaths, essentially all over all over Western Europe. Um, it didn't stop of, in the Second World kind. War. I mean, where I live at the moment, <laughs> no, it was until no, it 1989. A total it sort of it, it it stopped less. It, it 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 was reduced a little bit to the west of of sort of Poland. Um, it was still pl- plenty of bloodbaths. Oh, I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Europe, yeah. Europe until about 1990 fucking sucked. Yeah, and 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 the problem with Europe, the reason why it was, you know, all of world history, there's been there's been wars and, and intertribal or interstate uh, conflicts. The problem in Europe though was that they also had like extremely rapid technological advance, and they used those technological advances to create machines of war that were even better at destroying humans than, yeah, than previous they're, they're machines. They're really good at violence over here. Really good at violence. Really good at violence. And one of there's many ideologies that can justify war, um, but Hegel's is probably one of the most mental philosophies that i've ever come across because he actively advocates total war and by total war i mean at <laughs> war it's at all times like he you annihilate your and enemies. and peace hegel makes an argument about peace being okay maybe temporary peace but not only is peace not sustainable because Every Hegel talks about uh, a, a particular nation or a people, let's say a nation. A nation needs to uh, earn its place on the stage of history. That's a literal, I'm pa- paraphrasing as close as I can, earn its place on the stage of history. And nations earn their places on the stage of history through war. And if you have a time of peace, it's only a matter of time until that peace, that until that peace ends because at some point the the interests of the nations uh will become conflicted and they'll only be able to resort to war however hegel goes one step further and basically says actually war is good because through war war is the ultimate glory it is the ultimate test of our metal and it is the only way through which we uh, can attain the fullness. It's it's like self actualization, you know, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's, it's just like <laughs> self- war. <laughs> so, uh, food and water, shelter, sexual gratification, <laughs> relationships, meaningful work, war, <laughs> and complete submission to the state. So, uh, he advocated. It. He said, not only is it not tenable but also it's it's uh it's not a good thing and you 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 want to do it anyways because because humans degrade if they're not in a constant state of war and so Mussolini is just he's just taking Hegel's point and just applying it to fascism yeah and 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 not fighting entails spiritual degeneration and that's a very common theme you millennials (laughs) listening and watching put down your antidepressants Put down your dating apps and your social media poison. You need to go out and kill someone. Never, That's never seen a good, a good, good hard days work in your life. <laughs> and good hard days out on the battlefield <laughs> only means shooting people. Total war. Total war. 
I mean, how are you supposed to have strong borders? <laughs> have you heard that story about the uh, the Khmer? I think it was the Khmer Rouge when that. Uh, I I feel like I'm botching this. It was either the Khmer Rouge or it was <laughs> it was some other Southeast Asian uh, communist uprising when they used to. There was a reporter, or I don't know where I read the story. I feel like it was a reporter uh, was traveling with uh, the the revolutionaries, and when they went into towns and they torched them and killed everyone, shot shot all the civilians and burned their houses down. They would they would play classical music, but like symphonies, like uh, like Tchaikovsky, and they asked the reporter asked them why why do you do this <laughs> why do you play this music when you mm. when you're going on these skirmishes, and then one of the soldiers replied back because it makes it more beautiful. Hegel would shed a tear. In appreciation. He would be proud. Chuck on flight of the Valkyries. Let's go torch some villages. Torch some villages in the name of Little Goblin Hagel. Have you seen a picture of Hagel? He does look like a little oh. goblin. No, I'll he pull up does. on uh, <laughs> for, for those lucky people watching, you get some some bonus content. So I'll show so, show you a Hagel picture. So Mussolini Benito El Duce actually. Just takes Hegel's thoughts and basically says, "Yeah, we need to have war all the time, and it's good to be at war." And of course, so th- there's another interesting thing that when as you're as you're reading uh, these these philosophers or these these pieces of work, and it's come up before in uh, in Bronze Age Pervert, but with with Mussolini, but also with Hegel and uh, with with other philosophers, there's this idea of oh, it's it's coming up in Evola, Julius Ev- Evola. There's this idea of degeneration, mm-hmm. and that essentially comes from degeneration away from the Platonic ideal of the state and of the of the people. Mm-hmm. So as society progresses away from hardcore state or the perfect state or like the moral decline of the state, you see basically a degeneration in the people, which would essentially explain why the West is completely fucked. Look, we've got the rise of diabetes. We've got the rise of social media and the degeneracy on social media. That can only be related. That can only be a natural consequence of the fact that we just have too much fucking democracy and it's leading to natural degeneration and moral decay of of society. We're not fighting. We're not... Most fundamentally, we're not in touch with... We're not in touch with the spirit of our people. Instead, and if you're we, un- chase, we chase idle pleasure and vanity and an easy life which, which reflects itself in our soft, non-muscular bodies, in our weak wills, weak, in pudgy our, Western our propensity bodies. to want things like free and open elections, free a free, speech, a free internet, not subordinated to the will of the state. Uh, freedom of association, privacy. <laughs> the flabbiness of the spirit manifests okay. in the flabbiness of the flesh. Having said that, let's let's take a, let's take note of a couple of social trends that are leading to the obvious degeneration and moral decay of of Western civilization. One would be fucking encryption technology. That technology. <laughs> <laughs> 
what is what what the hell is the deal with Apple blocking uh, nation nation state governments from having access to people's people's data? That is a direct affront to to uh, the pure total state. Well, I think so long as those national governments are not true representatives of the spirit of the people, I think that's that's okay. It's okay not to recognise them. In some ways, the CCP is is the sort of thing that you would wonder whether Mussolini would quite like, given that it is it is a total state, or at least aims to be a total state, with I think... no organisations allowed outside of it, and total control over its citizenry. So maybe Apple should only decrypt things for the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, they, but not I for degenerate organisations like the Australian the CCP. I, I would think Benito Mussolini's only... Um, reservation or only only criticism of uh, communist China uh, of the CCP is that he is not the dictator of China. Yeah, <laughs> where where not like Ben? <laughs> Il Duce. So it's very hard Duce, to. Oh yeah, that that was one one thing that I wanted to say. <laughs> um, so when you say that some right-wing politician, say Trump or um, ScoMo, <laughs> mm. is a fascist, <laughs> and because they fascist. want strong, they want strong borders. Look, there's strong borders, and then there's strong borders. Capital yeah. S. Well, I mean, state strong, strong, strong borders. borders. Strong borders for a liberal Democrat. Sort of <laughs> Which just means to stay in one place. If you're if you're a real man, if you're a real fascist, those strong borders move, and they move outwards. <laughs> See, the entire premise of liberal democracy is broken with regards to the border issue because when we're talking left, right, people having an argument about borders, we're really talking about the permeability of the border, and that's entirely the wrong attitude to take. What we need to be talking about is. <laughs> <laughs> whether or not that border needs to be expanded into and 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 in so doing bringing about total war and the destruction of other nations and asserting yeah. our own nation's personality on the stage of history well, I, w- I would advocate for a one way permeability of the border where good fascists can go out and <laughs> nasty socialists liberals democrats anything that's not a fascist can't <laughs> homosexuals jews <laughs> like political uh, dissidents they can all go out and uh, oh, stay out, and good fascists can go out with uh, bayonets into into the, into the world on behalf of the nation state. <laughs> he uh, he has this um probably the last half of this tract is him just ripping on other ideologies. <laughs> he talks about why he's not a Marxist because he says all all good fascists understand that. Economic conditions alone are insufficient to explain all of human history. And I, I uh, unironically agree with that. I think it's a, it's a massive simplification. <laughs> so look, he's, he's got some points there. I'll, I'll grant him that. We, we both agree that, that Marxism is not good. Point one Benito. Yeah. Well, just, just, just viewing all of human history through the lens of economic development is a simplification to the point where you get all sorts of wacky outcomes that don't correspond to reality. He, he also says that fascists 
disagree with this idea that there is some point in the future, once you make enough money and once you get materially wealthy enough, there will be this utopian state where need is obviated, where you have everything, where there, there, is, there is happiness because you have all of this stuff. And he says that's not true because true fulfillment is a spiritual state. You only reach this spiritual state by being a fascist. <laughs> and and even more so a deeper criticism of of liberal democracy but also marxism is the the misapprehension the misunderstanding that happiness and well-being are even worthwhile pursuits they're not mm. the only worthwhile no. pursuit is complete expressing submission state. to a total state and expressing your nation's personality we're not we're not being hyperbolic and when you do that he says quite early in the piece that doing doing this allows you doing this allows you to transcend space and time and if we're thinking of this in the context of the Mussolini elevator pitch like remember he's still got you by the hand and he's still staring into your eyes right now as we speak If he said to me, Jack... 50 minutes later, he still is... If you listen to me, if you do what I say, I can help you transcend time and space. I'd be interested. I'd hear him out. Like, on the strength of transcending time and space alone, I'd hear what... I'd listen to what he had to say. Hmm. The The jury's actually still out on how, by being a fascist, you transcend time and space and become become a superhero but you know I'll, t- I'll take his word for it <laughs> hey he says it so do i do i sense sarcasm there jack don't you no don't, because remember no. after the Poseidus episode we found out that jokes haven't existed since like <laughs> 2006 or something so no I've, i i haven't told a joke since 2006 <laughs> so An- another good political uh, yeah, w- inspired the thing is Hagel. we're not we're not just to our listeners. In some sense, when it's kind of how do I put this? We're not being hyperbolic in our description of of Benito and his no, idea of the state. I think we're I think we're conveying this fairly. We're being we're accurately. being a bit silly, but it he does mean total state. Total state. It is everything. You cannot be outside the state. Outside of the state, you are nothing. Yeah, no. Damn. I can pull up the goddamn quote. Let's see if I can... No, as as in, he says, you are are nothing outside the state. You have no spiritual basis. You have no volition. You have nothing. There's... there's, uh, Yeah, he literally says there's no volition. um, (laughs) While you're looking for that, he... So, of course, he opposes democracy while also maintaining that fascism is the most democratic of political doctrines. And he, he has this, um, he's got a few quotes. One reason why he doesn't like democracy is he says there's a natural hierarchy of people and democracy tries to flatten that. And of course, yeah. he can't. You know, the good people are always going to come out on top. And he, he says fascism asserts the irremediable and fertile and beneficent inequality of men who cannot be levelled by any such mechanical 
an extrinsic device as universal suffrage. There you go. There's one reason why you should be a fascist and not a Democrat. He also then, he, he says something else, and I quite like this quote because I don't wholly disagree. <laughs> Democratic regimes may be described as those under which the people are, from time to time, deluded into the belief that they, ex- that they exercise real sovereignty. <laughs> that's, a pretty, that's a pretty snappy one. <laughs> he, no, he's actually a pretty good writer, and I don't know how good this translation is or if it, or whatever, but like... Hmm. He, he also describes um, universal suffrage as collective irresponsibility. <laughs> He like has he this idea like that true liberty is the liberty of the state. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> it's true liberty of the state. Well, again, it's it's his conception of liberty as you know, dumbass liberals think that liberty entails freedom from freedom from being subject to the arbitrary will of someone else, and freedom within the law. For Mussolini and other chat alphas like him. It means the freedom to fully submit yourself to an <laughs> omnipotent state. That is freedom. If you redefine freedom, then fascism <laughs> is really free. Really, the most, the most free. Is, Total if freedom. If you redefine freedom to mean fascism, then there is nothing that more perfectly sums up freedom than fascism. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think there's much more to discuss of the actual text because it, it's really short i think we've covered everything yeah um well i i was thinking as because i've been reading these books of jack and they're they're quite extreme <laughs> and they're out there uh <laughs> but i also do read things other than fascist literature and extreme marxist mm. ideology much text, as, as much propaganda. as we try to avoid reading non-extreme literature it does happen it, from time to time ca- occasionally i fall into the trap of reading something reasonable um and one of the books I'm reading at the moment is uh, uh, The Open Society and Its Enemies by Karl Popper. And uh, it's, it's probably, uh, all, all, all jokes aside, it, it's probably one of the greatest books I've ever read. It's a pretty phenomenal book. And it's basically a defense of liberal democracy. So obviously Popper's a fucking cuck. Uh, and it's a take it's a takedown of fascism and marxism and hegelianism and uh one of the key things that pop one of Popper's key contributions so first and foremost he was a, an epistemologist and a philosopher of science and it, he turned his eyes his same and now his philosophy towards political institutions and political philosophy in this book and in another book called the poverty of historicism uh both great reads uh, and one of the key points he makes is that um, democracy is not so much about rule of the mob or rule of the many or rule of the 51%, or as Mussolini would say, uh, the rule of quantity over quality. Um, that's not exactly what it's about. Uh, and he makes this clear point that throughout political history and political thought, essentially, people have always asked who should rule. And when Plato asked who should rule. He came up with, well, the philosopher king should rule and there should be this strong caste system. And if you go to other societies, it might be who should rule. Well, the elder should rule or the, the chief tank should rule or the pharaoh should rule. Why should they rule? Because the pharaoh is the embodiment of the god or because 
the the dictator is the embodiment of the personality of the total state or you know pick pick your justification mm-hmm. popper's popper's innovation was his like no that's the wrong question to be asking that's analogous to saying in in science or in epistemology how do we justify our beliefs in epistemology we don't justify our beliefs in science you don't justify your beliefs you identify your errors and you correct your errors and you're always willing to admit that you're wrong and you so you're not justifying your beliefs you're trying to refute and come up with conjectures um about like potential solutions to problems in the political realm he basically says in the same way analogously people are asking the wrong question by asking who should rule the correct question to be asking is how do we remove rulers who are the mm-hmm. wrong rulers and in how, particular and how how, how do we, do we correct how do we error correct and how do we remove rulers non-violently so it's basically science is a is a practice of epistemological error detection and correction and uh and democracy is a process of error detection and um correction and so essentially you have a line. This creates a very bright line in the sand, essentially, um, which is hard to come across in the social sciences. Um, but the bright line is essentially: Do you live in a political system where you can peacefully remove the rulers and therefore change policies or regulations? Um, if you cannot peace, if the ruled, as as Popper says, if the ruled can peacefully remove the rulers, then you're in a democracy. And if you're not, then you're just in some form of autocracy, whether that's a theocracy, whether that's a fascist total state, whether that's a communist um, dictatorship, whether that's a monarchy, whether that's uh, serfdom in a nobility state, uh, doesn't matter. It's just different variations on the who should rule question. And whoever's, whatever your answer is, you've got to come up with some justification to enforce the totality of that rule. Um, and essentially what we've read here is one person's new innovation in the in you know last century basically figured out okay if i adopt this stuff from hegel and like modify this stuff from marxism i can come up with a new justification uh for the answer to the, to the who who should rule question me benito should rule mm. and this is my justification for for the total state yeah well he he kind of puts the question to bed he he does say that this is the right way and this is the only way to spiritually fulfill your really your duty to the spirit which animates you. And yeah. look, would he say this if he weren't being serious? If it weren't true? I don't know. He says it's right. And he is the ruler. <laughs> <laughs> so he must be right. So so having, having gone over what fascism is, let's return to that to the question asked at the start of the episode, is Donald Trump a fascist? And I think <laughs> it's, it's like, it, he's just not a fascist. He is so far from a fascist. Does he have authoritarian tendencies? Yes. Yeah. Is he a fascist? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there any mainstream politician in the West in like, who is a fascist? In a Western, no. In a Western. It just... No, there, there is no one in the West meaningfully adducing arguments for things like an omniscient, omnipresent state that controls everything. That is the physical manifestation of the spirit of a people. 
Yeah, okay, so they might be authoritarian in some other sense. And so then mm. you basically have this big, uh, I suppose, like a Venn diagram of authoritarian uh, forms of government and inside of, of, uh, of, of that giant circle is a whole bunch of little circles, one of which is fascism. And as far as I'm aware, there aren't any fascist mainstream. There, there might be like some, like what about the Golden Star in Greece? Like they're fascist, aren't they? But they're actually fascist, but they're like a fringe party mm. or are they not even? I can't say I, I know mean, much about. I don't know, but essentially the there's, there's very of few. Greek politics. There's very few, there's very few what would reasonably be called, at least according to the standard of Benito, uh, fascist uh, mm. political parties in the West. No, because all all fascists are authoritarians, but not all authoritarians are fascists, and especially today, few authoritarians are fascists. Fascism now, is also not being a homophobe or a misogynist or a transphobe or anything like that. Fascism is a very particular set of beliefs. Now, just to play devil's advocate, Jack, what if what if uh, you know how? It can kind of, you know, like words evolve, right? Mm. And this was written literally like nearly 100 years ago. So when was this written? Like 27 or something? This is right, written in 32. 32. 32. So yeah, yeah 1932. Nearly, so 90, 90 years ago. And a lot's happened. We've had the information and computation revolution, globalization, another world war, the Cold War, um, a whole bunch of other stuff, right? So the rise of China, the fall of the Soviet Union. So... Who's to say that maybe we're being, are we being unfair? You know, like Antifa, what, mm. they're, what they're calling out is authoritarianism. Maybe fascism has just morphed into a word that is uh, essentially just a, a substitute for the word authoritarian. I would agree with you. I think, so in the case of Antifa, it does seem that they just call anything they disagree with fascism. But, so yes, words evolve, but what do you call this then? So if, if we have now the, the signifier, the, the word or the sound fascism, the signified being really any, anything to the right of you that you don't agree with, what do we use to signify this, what we've just discussed? Because this is an actual thing. This is a political movement that in the 20th century, had huge effects on the world. So if, us, if we have now redefined fascism, what is, what is this? Because like, this needs a word. This if, doctrine if this, literally if this doctrine Italy starts in making a comeback, what do you call it? it because if, some, if someone is Italy a fascist... and Portugal and Spain all in half, right? They all had this conflict between mm. communism and fascism. I might be getting my history off, but this what Mussolini is talking about here, and obviously Nazi Germany... Uh, is very distinct, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This what? this is not this is not someone advocating, say, for fewer checks on free speech. This is not someone advocating for freer markets, as you sometimes, as some people today seem to think fascism is. No, fascism is advocating for a total state which controls every aspect 
of its citizens' lives. And we, we, we need to maintain a word for this sort of ideology because it is distinct. And, you know, maybe it makes a comeback. What do you call fascism if our word fascism now doesn't mean this? And, and especially, you know, I, I, I was reading something by Jordan Peterson, you know, the, the notorious fascist. fascist. Notorious fascist he is, ad- advocating for all that freedom of speech, <laughs> um, <laughs> putting his, his career in danger by advocating for freedom of speech. So Jordan Peterson uh, wrote an interesting essay calling out diversity, inclusion and equity policies. As he's as he's want to do in his little <laughs> crusade, um, he did make this interesting point though that um, people on the left have like hijacked um, the language for these things, um, and in particular, he was talking about how in social psychology there's this new thing, uh, or I don't know how new it is, but it's this idea. It's called um, let me see what is it called? System justification. So system justification theory (SJT) is a theory within social psychology. That basically uh, is like a, uh, I guess, an unconscious or a bias towards a psychopathology based on uh, agreeing with and reinforcing the status quo, like the political status quo, the social status quo. So in social psychology, which is, uh, according to Peterson, a notoriously hijacked leftist uh, subdiscipline of psychology, is basically like psychopathologized conservative points of view Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the word fascist it means just anything that isn't what bernie thinks um and you've got a a slew of other words that are basically uh are just becoming stand-ins for anything uh that is not um like hyper progressive Mm. and in general, I'm a very socially progressive person, but this complete uh, Orwellian uh, rot of the English language where we can't even cro- correctly use a word as important as fascist to correctly describe, uh, to clearly distinguish Donald Trump from, from, uh, from Benito Mussolini. Mussolini, right? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's 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 almost as if they've thought, okay, well, what's something really, really bad? Okay, well, Hitler was bad, so we will we'll equate everyone we don't like with Hitler and Hitler's ideology. Hitler was inspired by Mussolini. Nazism is an outgrowth or an extension upon sure they were bad fascism. <laughs> but the thing is, bad things can exist without them being Hitler. Like we we have more than one bad thing in the world. Yeah, we've be, lost. You can be a bad person and not be a fascist. It's it's okay. <laughs> you I, don't I, have I, to call everyone a fascist. I, I had a I um I had a colleague once who <laughs> he'll know who he is if, if he happens to hear this. <laughs> but he'd always use the most extreme compliments when so like if you did anything even kind of well. He'd be like, "That's awesome! That's amazing! It's so good!" <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> I've met people then, like that. I find I find Americans <laughs> tend to do that, which instantly makes me not trust them. 
But then, but it is like, well, what if I do actually do something really awesome? Like, how do you el- escalate? How do you elevate from there? Do you just, you just start like, just, just like barking? Like, yeah, if the yes! floor's already up here. <laughs> so we've lost the resolution of a, of of mm. our language, our the the discriminatory ability of our language in this in this case with regards to pol- political categorization, mm. and with regards to varg. Um, ra- the, yeah. the term racism and white supremacist. Exactly. It's now like with Varg. He he is someone that you call a white supremacist because he is openly <laughs> a white supremacist. He says like uh, I am racist. I am racist. really good. Everyone should be racist. But the problem is, good. if you call everyone who doesn't agree with you a white supremacist. The issue is when I now hear someone described as a white supremacist, I think, no, oh, yeah, they're probably not. Like, I, I doubt it. And the problem is you get that desensitization. And then when an actual white supremacist like Varg comes along, what do you call them? You call them the same thing that just anyone who doesn't agree with Antifa gets called. Or you know, right. anyone to the right of Adam Band gets called. Like- same with this. Same with fascism. If everyone who's even remotely to the right becomes a fascist, what do you call this? This is a really nasty ideology, and we need words for this. (laughs) Super fascist. (laughs) Super. (laughs) As a teaser for the Evola episode, Evola did describe himself in court as a super fascist when he was being prosecuted (laughs) after the Second World War. In fact, fact, Mussolini... (laughs) <laughs> Evola, Evola, in fact, I believe, if I remember correctly, he he left Italy because it wasn't fascist enough. Yeah, and he went <laughs> and went, went to, to Germany and Germany. tried to tried to get into bed. Yeah, he went over yeah, to Nazi then, uh, Germany. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll save the Evola talk for the Evola episode. Uh, so, were there any we other? Look forward to it. Were there any other worthwhile talking points in? With regards to fascism and I don't and think Mussolini. so. I think the main if if listeners take anything away from this, I want it to be that fascism is a collectivist statist doctrine which really no no politicians with any meaningful chance at getting power in our societies hold. Like the, the, these just aren't beliefs that say the Liberals or the Nationals in Australia hold, the Republicans in the United States, no. the Tories in the United Kingdom, like they are not fascists. They're absolutely and not it's, fascists. It's it's irritating when people debase the term fascist to the point where we can't describe actual fascists anymore. Yeah, that's it's a very short read. I would encourage, unlike 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 previous things, uh, I would actually encourage um, listeners to to read this. It, it, you could probably mm. read it in like less than an hour, half an hour, half yeah. an hour, an hour, um, and see for yourself what we mean. Um, when we weren't being hyperbolic about any of <laughs> no, his he, perspectives he says this stuff, and he goddamn meant it. So yeah, yeah, went to read it, it, read it. Just to see what fascism actually is. I mean, do I? Am I remotely convinced by it? No, it's not. It's not very convincing. He doesn't really explain himself. He just tells you that fascism's great, and that fascism means all of these different things. Because this is a propaganda piece. He's trying to appeal to as many people as he can. 
So yeah. it doesn't tell you much. It doesn't. He doesn't explain himself. He doesn't really justify any of his statements. But I think it's useful to read because, as Levi said, it's short. It's easy. It's not a big time commitment, and it shows you what fascism actually is. Well, just just okay. Just uh, one of the things that I'd like, if you do go and read it, listeners, pay attention to the way in which Mussolini takes words which have one particular, well understood shared meaning, like liberty and freedom or democracy and twists it into like this new piece of propaganda and in some sense that's what a lot of people today are doing like the way that antifa is using the word fascist to describe anything that they disagree with it's twisting a word and and changing it into something else in a really really uh well this is why orwell wrote about the importance of language in in, in politics right um so yeah are we the crazy ones, Jack? Are we the crazy ones? Well, now that I'm an avatar for the will of my people and I will be leading the putsch against the well, the Czech state, even though I'm not Czech, <laughs> to, to make the, the fascist Czech state, no, I will ascend to a higher spiritual form. <laughs> Four out of ten is my rating. <laughs> this. It gets bonus points for being really short. Yeah, I'll give it... I'll give it a, I'll give it a four and a half. It's really short, but it also does have like some real um, punchy, punchy lines. Um, and it does have some, some zingers. It's got some real zingers. Um, yeah. And this is one of the few texts that I would actually recommend people read just so you can, you can see what fascism actually is. I'm glad that the fascists lost the wars <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep peace that out was, uh, <laughs> what Mussolini didn't write in this uh, because it was written in 1932 was about how he was going to be deposed from power and then shot by Italian communist partisans in 1945 <laughs> oh. which is probably for the best probably alright see you next time we're going to be doing Evola Another fascist, yeah, but one more interesting than Mussolini. For the super fascist. Much, much weirder. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>